You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Podcast. I'm Dave Hooker. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. We're also the host of the Locked On Big Ten Football Podcast. I encourage you to listen to that. We'll start with a big lead, but first I got to tell you, man, we got a ton of news, whether it's Auburn, Texas A&M, no matter who you want to hear about, LSU in the SEC, also a prospect that's very interested in an SEC school out of Santa Ana, California. We've also got uh, a junior safety who you probably know about from LSU. Uh, He's fantastic, so we'll continue to break down Ole Miss in the film room. We have a lot going on, Chris, as there is truly no offseason in the SEC. I think we can all agree, agree there. Yeah, you know, that, that whole offseason is, uh, is is really nonsensical because there's probably more move, uh, more news this time of year in a lot of respects. But uh, it's uh, a lot to get to, and a lot of you know what we try to do is kind of take you inside the coaching meeting rooms, inside the film room, and just like teams uh, and coaches do um, – you know, the preparation for the season is ongoing, the offseason program, the recruiting that's around the clock now, and uh, certainly uh, the preparation for the season, all things that we are on top of for you here on the Locked On Podcast. All right, well, let's get it rolling. Uh, The big lead, uh, we talked on the Locked On Big Ten football podcast how the Big Ten had made significantly more money then the SEC, about around about $100 million more dollars. And I'm curious, in the long run, could that affect the SEC's standing? Because I don't want to take sides here, but I believe most think that the SEC is the premier conference. But if there's an economic uh, shortfall, could we see that that change at some point? Well, and I don't know that I would, I I think it's just, you know, that, that the big 10, you know, brought in more money. It's really not that the the SEC is hurting or really in a shortfall, but I I understand the point. And my, my answer would be no, that I think that the SEC still has uh, the best facilities. Um, They have uh, the more prominent programs and the recruiting base is uh, the biggest advantage that corridor now which starts from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Carolinas, you know, Tennessee, all that, that corridor in middle Tennessee is becoming big and big. And you well know the, the state of Tennessee very well, that that's becoming a more populated area with more prospects. And that's, that's still very heavy, um, Southeastern conference area, particularly in the deep South. So, I don't expect that to affect the 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 standing in terms of how things are played out. What I would expect from a Big Ten standpoint is, can they use those resources wisely and maybe improve the overall quality of their conference? For example, um, can a program like Nebraska become um, you know, huge again, and maybe what they, you know, have been, I think there's certainly a, an East and West divide where the best programs in the big 10 happen to be in the East. But I, you know, I, I think that there's still more elite programs in the sec and I think that will continue, but I think it is interesting and notable that the big 10 is making a lot of money, which I've explained for a long time that in terms of money and in terms of uh, political clout, that the big 10 is right there. Um, and if not better, or certainly right there with the SEC. 
and don't feel bad for the SEC because what they've got planned and what they're doing with their television network and growing that, that's only going to create about more revenue. So I wouldn't expect that maybe, uh, wouldn't be surprised if a, in a year or so's time that maybe those figures are flipped. Auburn sophomore quarterback Malik Willis enters his name into the transfer portal. I don't think that's a great surprise as he was uh, dropped a third on the depth chart. No, but you correct. Bo Nix and Joy Gatewood are certainly uh, the, the that's where it's headed for Auburn. And what happens in um, in this day and age is if you kind of fall, and he was the backup to Jared Stidham, you fall to third, even second, you're looking to transfer, and that's the case here. So, um, listen, he's he's a talented young guy, but Nix is a really bright young player, and Gatewood is the athletic guy that. Uh, um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, this that's the uh, race goes, but um, sorry for for us from Malik Willis. He saw the handwriting on the wall. No, you can't blame him. Another quarterback, a uh, junior quarterback, uh, Kellen Mond from Texas A and M. Uh, his uh, progress and what you've heard about as as he continues. Well, you know, certainly just peeking into some of the spring practice tape, which I do post draft uh, a lot of, and then. Speaking with Jimbo and the staff there, they really are Im- impressed. And and he looked good movement-wise. But what they tell me is that he's really progressed in terms of having an understanding of what to do with the football. And that's the real key. The young man's very talented, very, very capable. Uh, he's got to do a, a really good job of protecting himself, protecting his, his body. He can make plays with his feet. But um, I think that Jimbo coaches those guys very hard. And he's taken to it very well. And that's kind of the litmus test. If you can take that hard coaching, you can come out of it on the, the, the back end uh, very effectively. And I think Kellen will, will really have a good year for the Aggies. Staying with the Aggies, uh, junior college cornerback uh, Elijah Blades. Uh, you, you expect some significant playing time out of him. Yeah, he's a really good-looking player. You know, I, I saw him certainly when he committed to Oregon coming out and, and then ended up going to junior college. Uh, you could see the athletic ability. Um, he's a big kid. He's a big, long corner, kind of lean. He got to fill out his six, two frame He's about one seventy. Um, but, but the guy can play the guy's got natural coverability and skills. And of course, this was a really, uh, poor coverage unit last year for the Aggies that they had to overcome. So, um, this guy will, will come in and help them immediately. So remember the name, Elijah blades. Well, another name, if, if you don't know by now, that we, we also need to remember, if you're listening to your Locked on SEC football podcast, is uh, Christian Fulton at LSU, cornerback. I know this is a real stunner, Chris, but LSU has another fantastic defensive back. Yeah, the real stunner. You're right. And this is another guy that's going to end up being another high draft pick. But uh, he and Grant Delpert are outstanding. We'll talk a little bit about him going forward. But Christian is really is one of the better corners in the country. I think he plays the ball very well. Um, I mean, he plays through the receiver. He's physical, but he's got really good foot quickness and Ben can turn, come out of his pedal, shows good burst. Um, you know, he was limited in the spring due to a, an offseason foot injury and surgery, but um, he is somebody that I always try to remind people about. This, this is a guy that has a chance to have a great season, kind of a 
national stage, big time uh, productivity. We'll see what he can do, particularly if he can stay healthy. That's the that's the the key here. But another good one, uh, Christian Fulton. Remember a year ago they were trying to get him eligible and uh, uh, and deal with that whole situation. Uh, that's behind him, and he's certainly uh, having a really good career. All right, coming up, it'll be your recruiting report as we wrap up the uh, big lead. Again, he's Chris Landry. Uh, I'm Dave Hooker. Check out LandryFootball.com and also check out check out the Locked On Big Ten Football podcast. Coming up, a recruiting report. We look at Elias Ricks. Stay tuned. More after this. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to your Locked On SEC Football podcast. We get to a recruiting report. Elias Ricks, a cornerback out of Santa Ana, California. He's shown interest in, in USC, and it may be a lean there according to some people. But, Chris, I'm curious what you think about his play and where he might be leaning. Well, no, I think he's uh, he's headed to LSU. In fact, he's uh, he's he's a strong strong lean and even a, 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 a silent verbal there. So this is as we just talked about with Christian Fulton. Uh, as he moves on, this young guy looks uh, pretty good in terms of uh, coming in and filling that spot. We'll see. Long time to go and see whether they can hold on to it. But um, USC, I'm sure, will still get into it and still. Um, work hard on it, but this guy's a really talented long corner, a lot like um, you know the guys that LSU's had in the past. He's really smooth. He's got the ability to lean on and play press coverage. He's I like the toughness, physical edge to his game, and the ability to come up and fill. It's really good uh, closing speed, good ball skills. Uh, the top end speed's really good, but the change of direction uh, is and the the ability to high point the ball and play the ball in the air is really good. So um, he's really quick. He can uh, really cover underneath. I think he can cover inside and outside. Uh, I think a, a five star guy that's got a chance to come in and be a really impact player. So we'll see if he ends up uh, sticking with the LSU or. Somebody uh, else makes a run at them on the West Coast. Some of those guys tend to get excited about a school and then in the end stay closer to home. But LSU still feels very good about him, and he seems pretty committed to LSU at this point. Boy, it's such a a great thing to have a pipeline uh, into California because there's doesn't seem to be throughout the years a whole lot of loyalty to stay out West, and uh, especially with those programs uh, just doing okay, and uh, it's a great opportunity for SEC schools to get out there. The scouting spotlight is Grant Delprit, uh, junior safety, one of just nine players in LSU history to earn unanimous All-American honors. He was a finalist for the Nagurski Award as the top defender in college football. Uh, he's he's really, really good. What do you like about his game? Boy, there's not a whole lot I don't like it. I mean, it, this guy really flashed last year and played – Great football. He was all over the field. He's, to me, um, got some similarities in terms of his play, not necessarily just his physical skill set, but his his play to Jamal Adams. And I think his future's headed towards that same area. 6'3", 205 pounds. Uh, he can play deep and cover the deep half. He can cover a tight end. He can cover a slot down the seam. He can certainly handle tight ends. Uh, but what I really like about him is, in addition to that, um, just like Jamal, he plays so well around the line of scrimmage. I mean, he can blitz him, uh, get a little corner cat blitz, and bring him up into the slot and blitz him off the slot and 
play zone behind it. A lot of things you can do. He's got five sacks to go along with five interceptions. You know, the playmaking ability is there, both uh, at the line of scrimmage, deep ball, um, you know, really, really good athlete. I mean, vertical jump very nicely. Um, he doesn't have burning speed. He has, to me, good speed with really good change of direction quickness. So I think he's an early first-round pick. I think he's an All-American candidate. And I think of the guys that LSU's had there um, for years and years come out of that uh, that school. Uh, and certainly this is a safety, not a corner, but they've had a lot of great safeties he is definitely as good as any that has come out, including Jamal Adams. So I'm curious to see if it can have a healthy season. And if he does, uh, special things are going to be in play for LSU's defense as well as his pro prospects. Coming up, it'll be the film room. We'll go to Oxford. And certainly Matt Luke isn't afraid to hire some fantastic coordinators. You'll know their names. Uh, Chris will tell you all about them. Stay tuned. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. The Film Room is next on your Locked On SEC Football podcast. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're Locked On SEC Football podcast. Let's talk coordinators, and they're good at Ole Miss. Matt Luke in a very interesting season after all that the Rebels have been through. He's able to go out and get Rich Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre to head up the offense and defense respectively. Man, that's a that's a really, really good duo. There's no question about it. And you gotta give Luke some kudos for being able to to get those guys on board. Well, I think when when Matt got the job and um I was on record when when they were trying to decide. There were a lot of people certainly in that around that Ole Miss program thought they were going to try to do something different. At that time, of course, there was still the NCAA you know cloud hanging over, and I thought that because of that, that they would probably be in better stead to go with somebody that they knew, somebody that clearly was one of their own that wanted the job, and kind of get them through this tough period. And I think Matt certainly fits that bill. But I also think that they there was something left to be desired from the overall development and week-in, week-out preparation, game plan, and execution of that. So I, I think that Matt is, out of necessity, has to go and had to make some big-name hires um, with, with his contract being very affordable by head coaching standards. They did a nice job of allowing him the opportunity to go out and spend some money and get some guys that were out of coaching briefly because they lost their jobs for different reasons and to bring them on board. What what I I think it's a it's a really interesting move and it's a move that is uh, one that I think that Matt had to make. I wonder how well it's going to play out. Um, I, I think it could have a positive effect, but. I will say this about both Mike McIntyre, who's new defensive coordinator, and Rich Rodriguez, new offensive coordinator. Both of those guys didn't come there to be the, a coordinator. I think that they're both got their eyes on perhaps being a head coach, whether it's at Ole Miss or somewhere else. It'll be interesting to see how this dynamic will work because while Matt is certainly the head coach, um, his future is in question they're at least behind from the standpoint of PR and in terms of making this job look a little bit more um, uh, attractive for candidates. They're, they're in a better position. So I wonder how this is going to work. I have seen 
situations like this work well. I've seen them blow up. I do think both of those guys' personalities, Rodriguez and McIntyre, both of them see themselves as a head coach more than coordinators. That's not their role now. Uh, are they going to be doing, you know, certainly they're going to be doing what's best for the program, but they certainly, with an eye towards their, their side of the ball, to maybe shine a little bit. I think both of those guys would love to have this head coaching job or get a head coaching job somewhere else. So I mentioned this, and this was one of the things that I thought was intriguing to talk about with this situation is how is this going to work? Um, or you're going to have a lot of, you know, the chemistry I think will be okay because I think Matt's going to get free reign, but is it going to be one of those situations where you have, um, you know, both sides kind of going at it. Um, for example, we saw that at LSU with Matt Canada, Dave Aranda. Things didn't kind of gel well, and that led to Matt Canada losing his job. Ed was in a first year and basically was forced into making a move, so that, that didn't cost Ed his job. But in this case, could it blow up? Not saying it will. Don't know. I mean, I'm just – but there is that potential there considering – the two coordinators and the personalities that they bring with not only their experience, but the personalities they bring with this job. So watching Ole Miss develop this year and how this plays out and anything we might hear behind the scenes is going to be real interesting. If they get two seasons out of both of those guys and they're successful, Chris, and then, then maybe they go on somewhere else to get a head coaching job. But if they're able to get two seasons out of both of those guys, to me, that would be a success, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't think – I think that it's less than 50-50 chance that either one of these guys are in their positions next year. I mean, they're in, right. they're there to try to get this job or another job. I mean, I, I don't think – now, listen, you never know what will happen and what opportunities may or may not be there. Um, Rich has a little different situation. He had an off-the-field you know, situation there at Arizona that – you know, listen, I, I won't get into, I don't know exactly what all happened. Um, so, you know, he may have a little bit more difficulty. Mike is certainly someone that when you look at it, did a pretty nice job at Colorado, all things considered with their resources, uh, and what they have, um, at their disposal, um, opportunities may be there, may not, but um, I, I could see, for example, if a head coaching opportunity is not there, I could see both of them leaving for another coordinator job that would be a step up. So uh, I think the chances of either one of them being there next year at this time is not very good. Um, but we'll see. You never know. There you go. That is Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. That's your Locked On SEC Football podcast. We will talk to you next week. Have a great weekend, everyone.